After several years of relatively low premiums, high limits, and generally easy access to coverage, business aircraft owners and operators now face steep hikes to their insurance premiums. And while that situation will likely get worse before it gets better, there are ways for conscientious operators to ease some of that pain. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. This podcast is brought to you by Scudero, the software that elevates your flight operations. I'm Dave Elliott in for Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. Anyone who's recently sought insurance coverage for a new business aircraft or tried to renew an existing policy knows very well that circumstances have changed drastically for owners and operators. It wasn't long ago that pilots could secure favorable quotes from multiple insurance providers, making the task of selecting a favorable policy a relatively simple and inexpensive task. But as aviation insurance broker Lance Toland tells us, that isn't the case anymore. We had 10 years ago profitability with insurers. The rates started tumbling because of additional capital that was being rolled into the market and other insurance underwriters saying, hmm, that looks easy. Let's go get some of that pie. The change came when we started having losses, losses, red ink, red ink, red ink. And as the red ink started to pile up, then you saw an exit of a number of newcomers to the market And the legacy markets that are still there started increasing their premiums and decided to contract. And instead of growing their book in a linear fashion, they elected just to hold their core business and ride, if you would, the rates up that they were putting out there for their better operators. At the same time, we're seeing some of the coverages that they were giving away are now costing money or in many cases, non-existent. That also means even high-time business aviation pilots are now finding that insurance companies that have held their business for years are now hiking premiums, lowering loss limits, and, in some rare cases, even refusing to extend coverage. David Norton is an aviation attorney with the law offices of Shackelford, Bowen, McKinley & Norton, LLP, in Dallas. In addition to assisting clients with their insurance and liability requirements, David is also a pilot, and the owner of a Cessna 177B Cardinal. And he's not immune to the current situation in the insurance marketplace. The biggest change I've seen, and I've just seen this even with my little Cessna, is um, that there are less underwriters to talk to. When I went through the renewal process this last year, uh, my broker, who's very good, went out and tried to shop you know, different coverages and different uh, price points for me. And the answer was there are, very, there are less and less people that are willing to write the policies, number one, and number two, I did get good coverage, but I I definitely noticed a, for me, a pretty significant premium hike to get the same thing that I had a year ago. And what I'm hearing from my client base for everybody flying the bigger heavy iron is it's the same story. Um, There's a uh, a contracting market. There are more, uh, because there are less underwriters, they can be a little more forceful on the risks they are willing and not willing to cover and they can charge more for it. And that's, that's going across the board. We've been able to get insurance for most of our clients, but uh, the discussions between the client and the broker, we typically don't participate in because it's really just a market discussion on how much you're willing to pay. But the anecdotal feedback I'm getting is exactly what Lance is saying is it's getting, yeah, it's getting harder and harder. What it sounds like 
what we're seeing is the bigger the airplane and more experienced the pilot, the easier it is to get the insurance. But that leaves a whole bunch of people that are good pilots flying smaller equipment down in the lower end of the market that it's just getting really tight. So what can business aviation owners and pilots do to combat this situation? Lance, I'd imagine the first thing to consider is the level of risk they present to their insurer, right? The single pilot owner operator, which I'm one, I'm like uh, my colleague on the other line there, uh, I'm an ATP, uh, many thousands of hours. Okay, great. Does that mean I can fly a Cardinal in his case or my PC-12 or my helicopter? And the answer is yes. If I comply with the warranties that are outlined in the insurance policy that are written out there, that I go to training every 12 months or I do this or I do that. That's pretty simple stuff. Training going forward is going to be a 12-month essential part of insurance underwriting, especially at the following limits of $5 million hulls and $5 million in liability. The underwriters have pretty much drawn a line in the sand that's going to dictate that. And with that, uh, you will be required training. And if you are really, really good on paper, they'll look at higher limits. Some of the legacy markets that I've spoken to are not wanting to get out of this business. They consider many of the single pilot operators uh, in turbojets and uh, turboprops and helicopters to be pro-qualified. And uh, if they have a track record with them, uh, they're not going to just overnight dump them. So this is not, this is a caveat. Don't think that it's the, the world's crashing in around you, but as the losses that have dictated the rate increase and the uh, non-flexibility, if you will, on training uh, increases, what you have to do is groom yourself to look better in front of the underwriters. David, this seems like a pretty basic and commonplace move, but from what Lance just said, it sounds like there are lots of pilots out there who haven't been so diligent in maintaining their currency and training. You know, if you're a pilot and you want to make yourself marketable, you need to be having that dialogue. If, if you're acting as an independent contractor or through a service, you need to make sure on any given day that you actually do have the training that's called for under the insurance contract. There are cases now out there where super experienced high-time pilots didn't have the recent currency requirements or the current training that the insurance carrier provided, airplane goes off the end of the runway, is totally destroyed, and all of a sudden there's a huge coverage fight on whether or not the insurance company has to pay anything. Coming up, our guests will examine additional scenarios that owners and pilots should be wary of when it comes time to seek or renew their insurance coverage. But first, a word from our sponsor, Scudero, software that elevates your flight operations. Scudero is one powerful, intuitive solution for organizing all aspects of your flight operations. Whether you operate a large fleet or a single jet, Scudero can be tailored to fit your needs with customized integrations to any of your existing platforms. Access your operational data from wherever you are and enable your pilots to access relevant information using the Scudero Crew app. Elevate your flight operations with Scudero. Go to Scadero.com to learn more. We're back now with David Norton and Lance Toland and our discussion about the current state of the aviation insurance marketplace. Before the break, David, you noted that situations can arise where experienced pilots may not actually be covered under a policy because they don't have the right recency training or experience. Can you elaborate a little more on how the problem can arise in the industry? People need to remember, and I, I, a lot of people don't understand this, 
You know, when you're out flying an airplane and you're talking to the FAA, that's regulated and governed by the Federal Aviation Regulations and the FAA. When you're talking to the uh, your CPA, you're dealing with rules from um, you from the IRS. When you're talking insurance coverage, that's not that's not those aren't regulations. An insurance contract isn't a contract. It's a, an agreement between you and the insurance company uh, as to the rights and obligations, the premiums you're going to pay, and then what they're going to cover in exchange for making the, those premium payments. And the and the insurance carrier has a lot of flexibility as to what coverages they will and will not provide and what exclusions they're going to apply to you. I mean, the you know, the regulations, generally speaking, apply across the board. Everybody has to comply with the regulations. For an insurance carrier contract, you need to look at the contract and you need to understand what it is you just bought. And if you, and a really good example of that uh, is, for example, pilot qualifications. The federal aviation regulations, if you're flying around under part 91, that's highly regulated, but it's pretty straightforward. You know, you have to be current qualified. You have to have the right pilot certificate for the type of operations you're conducting. You have to have the right medical certificate. And if you're flying something that requires a type rating, you need to have the type rating. Well, how are these insurance companies handling situations when an aircraft owner wants to put that aircraft out for lease? But most of my clients are flying, you know, all the different sizes of the corporate jets. And what we do is help people with the purchase uh, leasing, structuring, management of those aircraft. And a huge part of that analysis that we do for them is to look at their insurance coverage to make sure that we have the right coverage in place for the type of operations that they are conducting. And it's always a, it's the challenge is making sure that we've set everything up so that things are being done correctly under the federal aviation regulations and all the applicable tax laws. And part of the problem here, and then and then secondary to that is to make sure we have the right coverage in place. Part of the problem is if you talk to somebody from the FAA, somebody from the IRS, and somebody from the insurance carrier, you could use all the same words and have three completely different meanings. So there's a lot of confusion out there as to what's really going on, what's required, uh, what it means when you say, well, who's the operator today? Who's the party in possession command and control, who has operational control. Those are all ter- those are all very important legal terms. They can have different meanings based on who it is you're talking to. So that's part of the confusion. A very common vehicle for using an airplane, a very common structuring tool, is the use of aircraft dry leases. The whole concept of a dry lease, it's an equipment lease. It's a lease where you have typically a holding company or some company that owns the airplane, and then it leases the airplane on an occasional basis to some other operator, to another lessee. And under that structure, and, and this is this is where I was talking about how things need to mesh together between the insurance carrier and the, and the FAA, under that structure, the whole purpose of that agreement, that lease, is to transfer operational control, to transfer the conduct of the flight and the risk associated with it to the lessee. Right. So if you're doing that correctly, you want to make sure that that lessee is acknowledged as the operator of the airplane and, in fact, uh, knows that it is the party that is potentially at risk for the conduct of the flight and therefore is recognized under the insurance policy as a permitted operator of the aircraft. Well, what's very common is a lot of people don't understand that structuring and they just say, oh, well, we're going to add a lessee. They say that to their broker or the underwriter and the runner's underwriter says, fine, 
will you add you as an additional lessee, or excuse me, an additional insured, but only for the conduct of the operations of the aircraft by the named insured. That defeats the whole purpose of the lease, is under a lease, the named insured isn't operating the airplane, it's transferred operational control to the lessee. So that has always been a, a big issue of uh, misunderstanding, but what I'm now seeing is some underwriters are just absolutely refusing to acknowledge it or modify their policy and say, no, we're only going to insure the named insured. Well, if the named insured is a holding company that is just a leasing company, it's never going to operate the airplane. That, that's, a bit, that's a big issue. People need to understand that distinction and make sure uh, they have that coverage because the last thing you want is after the accident to find out that you were paying for a premium for somebody who never actually operates the airplane, and gosh, there's no coverage in that accident. Lance, you faced a difficult situation recently when trying to get a high-time pilot insured on a single-engine turboprop. Tell us about that case. We had a, uh, a $9 million airplane, a little over $9 million, pro-flown, 9,000-hour ATP, single pilot. No one would touch it. No one would touch this man in this airplane, and he was type-rated in a string of airplanes. He was under age 60 which is another problem going over 60, 65 now. And uh, we were able to finally get it placed on a quota share. Um, that same risk, call it three years ago, I could have done all day long for under $30,000. Their premium came in at $78,000. And again, they took it to close the airplane. But uh, there were some mitigating factors on uh, location of the aircraft, it operating in and out of high-density uh, airport single pilot, um, there was no international exposure that concerned the underwriters, but again, they're starting to underwrite again and looking for reasons not to put their money on your risk. Well, from the sound of things, Lance, this also isn't the kind of situation owners and pilots should expect to get resolved quickly, right? It's no longer insurance, uh, being the last thing you do before you close, you know, hurry up and let's get this done and have two or three reiterations of a certificate of insurance if you have a lender involved or this, that, or the other. Again, in the case earlier, it took three weeks to get this done with dancing every day in front of underwriters and I had to say pleading at some point. So insurance really needs to be pushed to the front burner uh, instead of the back burner and kind of a uh, reactionary, let's get this done so we can get this closed. Um, we don't like to work under pressure like that anymore nor do the underwriters, at least with the legacy companies. I have to know who my client is. I want to know them. I want to understand they're flying or they're a guy that can wait a day and not go in icing or bad weather. I mean, are they going to pick their battle or are they just, you know, bullheaded and they're going to do it their way? Personally, guys, I don't have time for that anymore. I want my clients to represent the best loss ratio in the industry, which it, I currently feel like I have, and um, the underwriters can rely on me for a good clientele coming through the front door. So pick who you're do dealing with. Do these things. Get one good broker. Get one good attorney. Get one good aircraft broker to help you with this process. Each one of us are gatekeepers, which I may be able to talk about later, and as a gatekeeper, we're going to give you our best advice. Other tips recommended by today's guests for owners and pilots to demonstrate a lower risk profile to insurance companies include supplemental training options such as upset recovery training. Another option is to become an active member in their aircraft owners group or type club, which could also be an excellent way for pilots to improve their own operational safety. 
by discussing their concerns and questions with their peers in an open and honest environment. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or download them from nbaa.org. For Pete Combs, I'm Dave Elliott, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.